Play is underway all around the world on the European Tour. It is active on the PGA Tour at the Honda Classic. We'll have details coming up. And we're going to be joined by a World Golf Hall of Fame member with some classic stories. It's all ahead on the Fairways of Life show worldwide. Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Pleasure to have your company on this Thursday. We're pretty excited today because we have a World Golf Hall of Fame member, a friend for a long time to the show, in Curtis Strange joining us. Yeah, after Ben Hogan, he was the next man to win back-to-back U.S. Opens, and it's always a pleasure to have him on. It's always a pleasure to hear his stories and recount his path through this game. And it's one of those things which I talk to you guys about a lot. Whenever we have an opportunity to speak to someone of that stature, uh, whether we define it by Hall of Famers or, or whatever you please, there's so much wisdom in in what they recount. And oftentimes it's wisdom that surrounds the fish that got away, if you know what I'm saying, uh, and how you deal with that or how you learn from that and how you channel that into success somewhere else. So really looking forward to catching up with Curtis in just a little while. We do have play underway as we speak on the PGA Tour uh, at the Honda Classic Three tied atop the leaderboard right now. Camilo Vijegas, uh, one under through two. He teed off on the first hole. John Ho teed off on 10, is also one under through two. Uh, Matt Jones, oh, we just have a, a new one pop up in Matt Jones on this leaderboard, one under through two. Just made a, a birdie on the second hole, uh, and he's tied for the lead. And then Patrick Rogers, who birdied his first hole of the day. So now four tied for the lead in an active leaderboard that is changing as we speak. At the magical Kenya Open On the European Tour, there are three currently in possession of the lead there as well as round one uh, in Kenya is pretty much in the book. Sam Horsfield, Adrian Moronk, and Raphael Jacqueline all standing on the mark of six under par. So we have a lot to go through with you today. I want to make sure that you guys are up to speed on what, when, and where you can get your coverage of the PGA Tour coming up. And I've got a lot of information that I thought you might find as fun to kind of fill you in on what's going on in and around the world of golf, and I'll get to that as well. First of all, to the TV times. Let's talk about what's going on uh, on the PGA Tour live coverage, and I'm starting there because they've already started at this tender hour. PGA Tour live's coverage at 7.30 a.m. this morning came on the air. They'll come on the air at the same time tomorrow. Remember, PGA Tour live is distributed by NBC Sports Gold, and it will be through the balance of 2021. A PGA Tour radio will come on the air at noontime today, that's Eastern time, noontime today, noontime tomorrow as well. Over the weekend, they'll come on the air at 1 p.m. Eastern time. A PGA Tour radio uh, can be heard for free and around the world on the PGA Tour app as well as on PGATour.com or if you subscribe to the satellite service in North America, Sirius XM. So that's how and where you can see it that side. On the television side, uh, Golf Channel coverage will be kicking off this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, same time tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, and then it's split over the weekend uh, between Golf Channel and NBC, so it's the same crew back back and forth, 1 p.m. on Golf and 3 p.m. on NBC, and same schedule for Sunday, 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. again 
all of these times are Eastern times to keep you very much up to speed. We did have a change. Daniel Berger is out with a rib injury that he's nursing, uh, and he has been play, uh, replaced. Um, who, who'd they, who did the, the field get in as an alternate for Daniel Berger? Was Rain it Gibson? Gibson. Rain Gibson uh, was, it will be playing in that group. And as such, you can see the uh, featured group coverage, and you can see uh, Andrew has it up. Did you have it up when I was uh, searching wildly for that name? Uh, Rain Gibson, Keegan Bradley, and Lee Westwood will be a, a group together. Uh, then you can see uh, Ricky Fowler, Sunjay M., and Keith Mitchell, Phil Mickelson, Shane Lowry, uh, Zach Johnson will be together, and then Adam Scott, Joaquin Neiman, and Ian Poulter will be the last group. I mean, to give you a little bit of a deeper picture into the notables of the Honda Classic, it's got a pretty good field, and it wasn't a very easy placement on the schedule of the PGA Tour this year to try to find where its place was because just the way the schedule goes, you've got it wedged between the players, and then we've got a World Golf Championship match play coming up. Uh, but it is a, a pretty stout field nonetheless, which speaks to the depth of the PGA Tour. There you see defending champion Sun J.M., uh, Ricky Fowler, uh, I, I love this, Gooch, Stenson, Zach Johnson, Phil Mickelson uh, playing in the field. And I'm reading these names to you because for those of you listening to us on the radio side, the TV side can see it on the graphic that Andrew has up. Uh, Mitchell, Padraig Harrington, who had some interesting comments. He, he basically said the other day that Bryson DeChambeau should say to the, the governing bodies, roll back anything you want, because the more you roll it back, the more it's an advantage to me. Interesting perspective. Uh, Hunter Mahan, he put out a video yesterday working on his timing of his, sing, his swing sequence in the bunker, which is interesting because one of the things you gain by doing that, it's something that Mike Bender loves to do with his students as well, is you see the impact point of the club. You actually know when it's starting to come into contact with the turf. Uh, Benny Ahn, uh, our friend Hubs is, is listed in there, who was, it was so much fun to have on the show earlier this week. Ian Poulter, Shane Lowry, Joaquin Neiman, Adam Scott, Lee Westwood, who we also discussed in the featured group coverage as well. When you, when you look at this season, in terms of what's taken place already on the PGA Tour, and remember, this is an incredibly distinctive slash odd, probably never again to be replicated type season on the PGA Tour. And I'll explain to you why. But first of all, to remind us as to who won already on this season. Sometimes, and we're talking about what, a matter of, of, in some cases, weeks, days, months. And you hear a name, you go, really? Like the first one I'm going to throw your way, the Safeway Open. It was won by Stuart Sink. I know. U.S. Open then came up next with Bryson's victory. The Corrales Punta Cana tournament, which uh, the, the 2020 version, it's going to be held twice. That's one of those it, that I was talking about. I'll get to it. Hudson Swafford. Sanderson Farms. Ready? Sergio Garcia, remember? Shriners Hospitals, Martin Laird. CJ Cup, Jason Kokrak. Zozo Championship, Patrick Cantlay. Remember, they had it domestic. Bermuda Championship, Brian Gay. That's another one of those that I'm like, oh, yeah, Brian Gay won, won the, this season. Uh, the Vivent Houston, Carlos Ortiz. The Masters, of course, with Dustin Johnson. I'm already hearing a lot of people saying, you know, when, when it comes to the Masters, how can, how can Justin Thomas not be the prohibitive favorite or Bryson DeChambeau? It kind of, in some ways, it kind of shows you the what have you done for me lately world that we live in in sport. I, I still look at Dustin Johnson going back there after having won there in November. Now, granted, I know the golf course will, will play differently than it did at that time to, to an extent. 
but I wonder how he isn't the, just the de facto. Dom, do you have uh, some place where you can grab the the uh, maybe a golf odds tracker or what have you? The odds in the Masters. I'm just curious what it's what it's looking like right now. What the what the bookies are saying relative to this this thought. Let me just yeah, let me give know. Me, give me a second. I'll grab that for you. We can go over it. All right, thank you. So, DJ, anyway, for, uh, Masters champion 2020, and again, another event with the U.S. Open and, and the Grouse that it's going to happen twice in the same season because, remember, the season on the PGA Tour is a wraparound. After DJ's win at the RSM Classic, it was Robert Streb back in the winner's circle, the Mayakoba, Victor Hovland, the Century Tournament of Champions, Harris English, the Sony Open, Kevin Na, remember? American Express, Siwoo Kim, at the Farmers, it was Patrick Reed. That one, I, I, I have a suspicion you remember because everything that took place. And I mean, David Ledbetter was on with us following that. And basically, he, I, I, was, I was surprised that for all the vitriol uh, on social media to Patrick Reed with the moving of his ball and then calling it an official, that when David Ledbetter was on with us and David Ledbetter said, look, he never violated the law, the letter of the law, and he didn't, in fairness. But I thought there'd be a lot of people who were like, yeah, but he violated the spirit of it. And blah, blah, blah. Didn't really hear a lot of pushback from him. And it was interesting, which I respect because, he was, because David was giving us his opinion and an opinion is an opinion. You don't have to attack it just because it doesn't, it's not the same as yours. All right, so the waste management. Brooks Kepka. Again, I, I no doubt in my mind that you remember Brooks Kepka winning the waste management, but I think it was a very significant win because it was Brooks back in the winner's circle again. Sadly, he sidelined once more with a with another knee injury, this time the other knee, which is maybe even more troubling. They called it a sprain. Uh, but other than that, we don't have a lot of details. They're they're like old school uh, Tiger-esque in terms of how his team or he chooses to release information. AT&T Pebble Beach was Daniel Berger, who we just mentioned to you is out this week near his home uh, at the Honda Classic. At the Genesis Invitation, it was Max Homa, which was a, a great victory for Max, a second. At the World Golf Championship Workday, which was held on the west coast of Florida, down at a course called the Concession, uh, Colin Morikawa uh, played so well. And, and, and he's one that's, that when he's on form, uh, and he's he's longer than people give him credit for because in the tour nowadays it's it's common that they'll say someone well well he's not that long they say it about Jordan Spieth too and Jordan's averaging what two ninety three I believe off the tee uh, and they'll and they'll say that well Colin Morikawa is not the longest he's plenty long enough but when he's playing on song that's what I mean about poetry emotion the way that he holds the face square through impact for so long. Uh, is the reason why he's he's so accurate, in particular with his irons, but it also benefits him with the driver too. Uh, the Puerto Rico Open was was Brandon Grace, which was a great story, uh, having lost his dad to to COVID and then coming back and winning on the PGA Tour, getting getting that emotional high of something that you've accomplished and worked so hard for. It's again, it's one of those reasons that sport and golf in particular is so great with these kind of stories. Uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, yes, uh, Bryson DeChambeau tearing up Arnie's place. The players, of course, Justin Thomas, and this week, the Honda Classic. So we'll kind of look at who the winners were to remind us all of what took place and and who won respectively. So, Dom, did you, did, were you able to get any current odds on the Masters or what it looks like right now? Uh, yeah, I've got a few numbers for you. Right now, 
Dustin Johnson is the current favorite. He's 7.26 to, to 1 right now to win the Masters, okay. which isn't surprising, I, I don't think. I, I'm not surprised by it at all. That's, that's what I was surprised. And again, I call it a present-day conceit. Right after JT's victory, it was, you know, he's the prohibitive favorite. This is the way it goes. And I'm kind of like, do we not remember what just took place in November? DJ is still number one, and he clearly knows how to play Augusta very well. I'm not saying that JT can't win it, but to displace the betting favorite that fast just because because of a big win and a great win and one win, but it surprised me a little bit. So, so anyway, so Dom told us that it what the, the bookies are seeing it the same way that we are, that they're saying, no, 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 we're still saying it's DJ. What else you got, Dom? So... Bryson DeChambeau is kind of next in line, if you will, at 9.45 to 1 right now. And remember, these odds are a, a compilation of thousands of different betting houses. And because there's no, you know, golf odds checker doesn't do anything uh, that is with one particular agenda, if you will. Uh, yeah. So that's why these decimal points are a little strange. What is interesting when I look at the odds, Matt, that I want to share with you and the audience is Rory McRoy, who is noticeably struggling and and verbally telling everybody I'm lost. Jordan Spieth, who's just starting to show form just in the last two, three events, really. But generally speaking, the last two years has been very rough. And Brooks Kepka, who's been nursing injuries and having all kinds of problems, are all really good betting favorites right now. Rory is 12.08 to 1. Jordan is 14.34 to 1. And Brooks is 13.63 to 1. I would have expected all three of those guys to be in the 20s. So that's interesting. I mean, perhaps it's just because it's Augusta and Brooks shows up at majors and Jordan Spieth just always plays well at Augusta no matter what's happening. Yeah, I was going to say, don't you think, though, a large part of that is because most of the people that are betting are betting with their heart and the bookies know it and, and they think they can make some money off, off these bets because obviously three players can't win the Masters, two-thirds of those three all with similar odds, are not going to win, even if one of them did. So the house is going to win either way. It's kind of like when people bet on Tiger Woods, right? I mean, even when Tiger Woods wasn't playing well, coming into major championships, there always was a lot of action on Tiger. You're probably right. A couple more notes before you move on, just so I can kind of be but fair. Just one other John note before, before you, hold on one second. Though. John Rahm will pick up on Don. When you said Bryson as the second Best odds, well, not best best odds, odds, depends on how you look at it. He's second in the odds. Tie for 29th and tie for 34th are his two finishes at Augusta National. Now, you can look at that and go, okay, he's still learning it, and those two Brysons aren't the behemoth, uh, show me an ID, or I'm going to throw you out of the club, Bryson. But, I mean, that's those finishes aren't terribly impressive to think that he's going to burst his way into the club, but he has a habit of doing that. John Rahm, 10.79 to 1. Justin Thomas, 10.71 to 1. So right now, as of this moment, the four favorites, if you will, in order. Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, followed very closely by John Rahm. And then from there, it kind of goes up 12, 13, 18. Let me give you like one or two notables. Um, Let's see, Jason Day, 45.6 to 1 right now. Okay. Adam Scott, 56. I mean, Jason Day's putter is on. Garcia, and he's 50, hitting better. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You were talking about Adam Scott. 
Um, Adam Scott, 56.25 to 1. Bubba Watson, 54.31 to 1. Um, Ricky Fowler, 95.73 to 1. The confidence in Ricky Fowler kind of across the board is just crumbling to the ground. That's got to be the lowest odds he's had in the last 10 years. Yeah, but I, but that makes sense to me. He's just he's just not playing very well. It's, there there were some other odds in there that sounded like they might be a pretty good pick. You know, again, Jason Day, he's he's peaked at the best best golf, uh, putter in the world multiple times through his career. If he gets the rock rolling, I know he was he was working on swing changes to try to alleviate pressure on his back, but. Uh, you know, he's shown some flashes. Uh, Adam Scott, I mean, uh, that the odds kind of seemed long for, for Adam Scott in terms of, of maybe perhaps a good value too. But this this will be an interesting conversation as we draw closer. Because when you're talking well, about the top. there's two names that stick out to me, Matt, What's that, that I didn't mention that in terms of odds that are, in my opinion, would be a huge good bet right now would be Lee Westwood. And ironically, I know he just WD, but Daniel Berger who's been playing really well. I don't think he's terribly injured. His agent said uh, yesterday that he's expecting to play next week at the match play. He's just essentially nursing something. Okay. And you've mentioned to me before the show, he's, he's been struggling with wrist injuries for a very long time, but that's not the injury. It's a rib injury. So in okay. theory, it's something that would just turn the corner. But uh, where is it? I'm finding it here. It's uh, I'm looking for burgers. Uh, 35.91 to 1. And Westwood, who's been playing out of his mind, by the way. Yeah, and 27.8 multiple times to at Augusta. One. What was his? I mean, and these guys both, and even even though Berger's young, I mean, he's got tied for 9th, 35th, 1st, 7th, 10th. These are his last four or five events. He's in very, very good form. And he shows good form. And he play, he's only played Augusta a handful of times. But he's already got a top 10 in the books there. He's consistently finishing in the top 30 when he shows up. I mean, those are good bets. I mean, 35 to 1? Yeah, what was Westwood Put me down, again? man. Westwood was, I want to be accurate, 27.8 to 1. Oh, yeah. I mean, put $10 on that right now. It's worth a few quid <laughs> right for there sure. for Lee Westwood because he's playing this week, too. And, if, of course, if he plays well again, that odd is good, those odds are going to change pretty quickly and tighten yeah, up. Yeah, he won't. He won't. See, that's what's interesting. This is reading between the lines, Matt. In his press conference prior to the tournament, he said, my legs are wobbly. He's got his son on the bag, giving his girlfriend a break <laughs> or whatever, and he's just like, yeah, I'm not. He could kind of see it in his eyes, like, I'm real tired. So he's probably not going to have the best week of his life, and so these odds will stay the same or get worse. And by the time he recuperates in time for the Masters, I'm telling you, man, that is put $10 on that right now. All right, well, Dom's talking himself into it. But the thing is with Lee Westwood is that uh, when he came in the week prior, his pre-tournament comments were, I'm really tired. I only played nine holes. If you remember this, Dom, that's exactly what he said. Maybe he's just old. Are you yeah, tired well, all the time, Matt? You're old. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> definitely part of what, he, what he's doing coming in. I mean, he's, on a, he's been on a great run, and there's the emotional uh, it, it, strain as well as the physical strain in doing what he's doing, particularly contending. All I'm telling you is if he comes in and goes, yeah, I'm exhausted. It's, you know, don't expect a lot from me. That's exactly what he said the week before he contended again. This Honda Classic is the 24th of 50 official events in the 2021 PGA Tour season. It's the 11th of 38 events to be held in the calendar year 2021. The season includes six major championships. I know the Players Championship, three World Golf Championships, uh, three FedEx Cup 
events, also Olympic golf tournament as well, which is not officially part of the PGA Tour, incidentally. Uh, that'll be held the 29th through August 1st. It's the 15th edition in 2021 of the FedEx Cup and the ninth consecutive season in which every event on the schedule is part of this season-long competition. The 2021 season began on September 10th, 2020 in Napa, California at the Safeway Open. It's scheduled to end 360 days later on the 5th of September, 2021, the conclusion of the Tour Championship at the East Lake Club in Atlanta. 12 events, nearly a quarter of all of the events in 2021 were played in calendar year 2020. All 12 events offered, again, full FedEx Cup points and invitations to the 2021 Masters Tournament for the winners. 10 of 11 events that were canceled and not rescheduled last season due to COVID-19 outbreak, including the players and the Open return to the schedule in this calendar year. The RBC Canadian Open, though, is not being played in 2021. Three events that were postponed last season due to COVID-19 and the outbreak will be played twice in 2021. Remember you mentioned that I was going to tell you about this? U.S. Open, September of 2020 and June of 2021. The Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship, September of 2020, March of 2021, and the Masters, November 2020 and April of 2021. PGATourSuperstore.com is the portal where you can see everything that the PGA Tour Superstore has and their wonderful stores spread out across the United States. Uh, Aside from all of the new products that are coming in from all of the major names that I know you're very interested in seeing in person, uh, the thing that impresses me the most about the PGA Tour Superstore are the people in the PGA Tour Superstore. They are passionate experts at what they do. They're not just there to sell you a club. They're there to make sure that what you buy is right for what you need. If you're going to invest in a new piece of equipment, why not make sure that it's the right piece of equipment for you and now you have the expertise surrounding you to do it. If, if I, I don't, You probably saw yesterday the IRS pushed back the, the due date for taxes now into May. May 17th, I believe, was the exact date for, because they're kind of overwhelmed right now. Well, if you were going to have your taxes done, would you just go to some random person who was hired to do taxes with no particular expertise in taxes whatsoever, but they're there because that's their role? Or would you go to an expert? Obviously, it's the latter. And it's that level of expertise that you're going to get at a PGA Tour Superstore. And I don't think it's emphasized enough. It's so important. It's part of who the PGA Tour Superstore is and part of their success story because they chose that direction to ensure that you can be sure that you've gotten the right thing for you. PJTourSuperstore.com to get your journey started with that as well. And Biofit360.com, we are very proud to have a partner on the PG, uh, or the, on this uh, Fairways of Life show. Uh, their message is simple. Everybody at one time or another, or unfortunately, consistently and all the time, are experiencing pain. You don't have to deal with constant pain. Biofit360.com can make you feel better. They can make you do better. They can make you be better than you were before because they consulted with over 1,000 medical professionals to extract the CBD oil from the hemp plant. And then they deliver it to you in the form that you want, whether it's a balm or you name it. Uh, Maybe it's, it's a problem with sleeping. 
you want to sleep better, they can help you there too. It is worth your while to check it out, biofit360.com, so that you can get all the details on how you can live a better life and why not. When we come back, we have the absolute honor to be joined by a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame who's one of our favorites because the stories are nothing short of classic. Curtis Strange, after these words. Nestled amongst the hills of the Hoosier National Forest resides a classic American destination, the French Lick Resort. Experience the ultimate in golf at the Pete Dye Course at French Lick, voted number one course in Indiana on Golf Week's Best You Can Play for 10 years in a row. The Donald Ross Course at French Lick has been named Indiana's number two course in Golf Week's Best You Can Play rankings every year since 2011. Come experience old world opulence amid modern comfort served with Midwestern charm. Visit FrenchLick.com. TheGolfTravelGroup.com is a luxury golf tour operator that specializes in custom travel itineraries to Scotland, Ireland, England, Wales, Iceland, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and more. Guaranteed advanced tee times, incredible accommodations, airport meet and greet services, private guided tours, and private drivers, all in luxury vehicles. And they have a staff that's been doing it forever. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. The best golf experiences are the unique ones that combine breathtaking beauty, inspiring designs, and refined luxuries. Streamsong Resort, conveniently located in Central Florida, is unlike any golf experience you've ever had. Award-winning courses by Corin Crenshaw, Tom Doak, and Gil Hans will challenge and amaze in a dunescape you'll swear cannot exist in Florida. Awaken your senses then at their opulent spa or enjoy world-class bass fishing, archery, or clay shooting. The options are endless, and you can cap it all off with luscious and distinctive culinary choices to delight any palate. Visit StreamSongResort.com today to plan your golf trip. That's everything that you would want and nothing like you've ever experienced. I'm Tiger Woods, and I chose Bridgetone. I wanted to be with a company that I knew, and then on top of that, that made superior products, so I did. I came back and I started playing with the Bridgetone Tour BXS, and it's allowed me to maintain the spin and the feel I like around the greens, especially my short irons, but also to have that penetrating flight through the wind. The aerodynamics have been phenomenal. I know the quality that Bridgestone has, R&D that's available to them, and what they were able to create that helped me win golf tournaments. Even though we're in Texas, we don't believe that bigger is always better. At Ben Hogan Golf, we believe in something called micromanufacturing, a concept Mr. Hogan taught us long ago. It's a belief that handcrafting golf clubs one at a time to your exacting specifications is the reason we make some of the best quality and best performing equipment in the world. And we don't believe in big prices. That's why we only sell directly to you at BenHoganGolf.com. Let me ask you a question. Are you in pain on the golf course? You know, pain management is a crisis in America. It affects over 100 million people and 35% of golfers. But now we can do something about it. BioFit 360 is a new company here to help us manage and alleviate that pain naturally. They've developed a formula that safely extracts CBD from the hemp plant and utilizes all of its healing properties to help us. They have a relief cream, they have gummies, they have sleep aids, and much more. It will change the way you feel on the golf course and in life. All you need to do is head to BioFit360.com. Feel better, do better, be better. Hi, I'm Brian Hammonds. You country club members can now represent your club and compete in a Ryder Cup-style event. 
the inaugural Country Club National Championship presented by Fuzzy's Ultra Premium Vodka. It's October 12th through the 17th at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. The field is limited, so don't delay. For more information, go to ccncgolf.com. That's ccncgolf.com. I hope to see you and your team in Orlando. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show on this Thursday. Pleasure to have your company, folks, from wherever around the United States, from wherever you're joining us around the world. We have four tied currently atop the leaderboard at the Honda Classic. Camila Vijegas, Cameron Tringali, Matt Jones, and Aaron Wise are all two under par. Deepest into the round so far would be Vijegas and Tringali, who have both played four holes as yet. Uh, let's see. Those at one under par currently tied for fifth, John Ha, Patrick Rogers, Zheng Jun Zhang, and Joaquin Neiman are all on one under par as yet. Tied for ninth, just to give you a top ten. Then I, I did want to jump around here and just give you a couple notables, because why not, even though it's early. Tied for ninth at level par, uh, Chesson Hadley, Adam Hadwin, Kelly Kraft, Benny Ahn, Doug Gim, DJ Trahan. Now, when I say, I, obviously, people who haven't teed off yet are starting at even par. I get it. But all these players are actively on the golf course, just to make that clear. DJ Trahan, Cameron Percy, Jim Herman, Adam Long, uh, Dylan Fratelli, Ryan Armour, Shane Lowry, Phil Mickelson. Uh, part is first hole. He started on 10. Uh, those that are, that are over par to start the day so far, you can see how big this field is, how many pe- uh, players are out there already, uh, versus uh, at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, for example, which was an Invitational limited field. Uh, Charles Schwartzel, uh, Wyndham Clark, Scott Harrington, Ian Poulter, Adam Scott, Martin Trainer, Zach Johnson are all one over par. Two over par, the highest that we go in this leaderboard before we hit the block that are just starting to tee off. Uh, KJ Choi and Hunter Mahan are both two over par. Those that are just teeing off, Richie Rorensky, JT Poston, Wesley Bryan, Sun Kang, Graham McDowell, uh, Pat Perez, they're all hitting and playing their first hole of the day and will report accordingly as their rounds progress. But as we speak right now, there are four tied atop the leaderboard on the mark of two under par at this hour. Okay, United States uh, Ryder Cup standings. Let's take a look at where we're at right now because as I was going through that schedule with you from the 20 to 21 season. Remember, it concludes at the Tour Championship at the end of August. But then in September, we have a Ryder Cup. The United States Ryder Cup team as yet, and, and the reason why if you're looking on the television side, you see one, two, three, four, five, six, it's because there are six automatic qualifiers in this Ryder Cup. So the reason they did it, obviously, was to give more flexibility to to Captain Stricker and his vice captains in terms of who they wanted to put on the team that were in very good form. DJ, DeChambeau, JT, Brooks, Morikawa are, are all in the top five so, so far. Uh, Shoffley is number six. And then after that, you go Reed, Finau, Berger, Webb Simpson, Patrick Cantlay, and Harris English. I don't know. That is so, I know there's some names in there that, that you're probably surprised are not in the running, but that's a pretty good list so far. All right, so as I was telling you guys, I am super excited about our next guest. Uh, he's, to me, as I mentioned to you before, I love the chance to speak to legends in the game, 
whether you define that by Hall of Fame members or a, a major champion or however, however you choose to define it, I in many ways choose to define it by players that are in some way a human bridge, meaning that when they started their career, the names that were still competing, they may have been well beyond their prime, but they still would at times tee it up. I'm talking about someone like Sam Snead, for example. And you were active in the game, whether you're talking about the PGA Tour, then eventually to the PGA Tour champions, all through these decades so that you saw everyone from the legends that were to the legends that emerged of the likes of Tiger Woods. The span of what Curtis Strange saw, what he did during that same time frame, during a time that I call, particularly during what I, what I look upon as the Nicholas era, or more so a time when Giants roamed, is absolutely remarkable. And what gets me even more than all of that is the human connection that when we have a chance to speak with these individuals, they impart to us in almost everything that they say, these pearls of wisdom. It's wisdom that it's hard fought and earned. Uh, comes not only with the success, but it also comes with close calls and failures uh, that I think everyone can benefit from learning from uh, because of the way their lives, in this case, are distinctive by, by carrying forevermore a moniker of being a World Golf Hall of Fame member. There are, in fact, 36 golfers ever that have lived on this earth, that have collected two or more major championships and 17 or more wins on the PGA Tour. Curtis Strange is one of those people. So, yeah, it's no surprise that he's a World Golf Hall of Fame member, rightfully so in every way. You know, as time passes, it often gets lost on the current audience just how valuable insights are from someone like Curtis Strange, which is what I've been talking about. He's a Hall of Fame member for a very good reason. Over the course of his career, he collected 29 professional wins in total. The previously mentioned 17 that were on the PGA Tour, of course, in his two major championships, inclusive the 1988 and 1989 U.S. Open. He was a member of five United States Ryder Cup teams. He was captain of the 2002 United States Ryder Cup team. Remember, that was the Ryder Cup that was delayed because of 9-11. Uh, that's a long time for, for a player to be carrying uh, the honor and the burden that goes along with being captain of a Ryder Cup side. Uh, but here's a stat that we thought would be fun for Curtis. It, it's, it's both mind-blowing and it speaks to his dominance. And I'm curious if he himself uh, actually knows the, the stat as we're going to lay it out here. From 1980 to 1989. He played in 263 PGA Tour events. 128 times he finished inside of the top 10. Let that settle in for a second. So, over a span of 10 years, he played such a great stretch of golf against best in the world in his era too, yep. Yet he finished in the top 10 nearly 50% of the time. That means he was literally in contention every other week for a decade. Absolutely incredible. It's, it's, 
and, and my hope is that whoever the players are today that might be searching for this or searching for that, the elusive, that Curtis Strange is a type player that they reach out to and get his insight because it is worth hearing from. And it is absolutely a delight and an honor to, to welcome Curtis Strange back to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing me. well. So what did you think about that stat about your performance in the 1980s? Did it make you tired? You know, it's... Well, first of all, we didn't look at top tens as special other than it was a good check back in the day because we didn't play for a whole hell of a lot of money. Um, that was number one because we came out. Sounds like we lost Curtis with his, uh, maybe his Wi-Fi went down. So we'll reconnect to Curtis Strange and and continue that conversation. I was I was picking up with the reaction to that stat, which is absolutely mind blowing, that he was able to be in contention so much for so long. And then Curtis, in the way that he does, said, "Yeah, you know, top tens were good because they're important for for making the money." That's one of the the directions that I want to go down with Curtis too. Is when you talk about back in the day, I mean, I mean, for those of you that, that are looking back on it, to some, I, I assume the 1980s seems like ancient history. But for others, they're looking at the 1980s and going, geez, it doesn't seem that long ago. But the way that players used to conduct themselves from the 1950s still existed in the 1980s. And what I'm talking about there is the way that they used to travel in, in caravans together uh, and the way they would stop and, and grill and eat, and, and you'd, ha- you'd, you'd be living on this really strict budget. All these things that nowadays, if you heard them in the context of a player who is fully exempt in winning on the PGA Tour, you'd be like, say what? Yeah, it is that distinctive. Uh, so too is Tour Edge's product, touredge.com. When you get an opportunity, you can log on to Tour Edge and see all the wonderful products that they are producing across a vast array of selections. If you're looking for something new like your putter, uh, if you're having trouble hitting your lines, check out their wingman putter and you'll find that, that it can keep the ball more online because of its high MOI, which stands for, for a moment of inertia, the stability that is on there. So it's just one of the, the great things you can check out. The new 721 line, which is absolutely beautiful and everything they sell carries with it a lifetime warranty. How often do you hear that? Uh, touredge.com for more information. So I know Curtis is, is working on getting himself restructured. I can, I can see him in my preview that uh, it looks like he's coming in from outer space someplace. Are you okay, Curtis? Did you move? <laughs> you know, I had to. I, I, I've got this nice office here. When I get in there and try to get online or anything, it cuts out. So maybe <laughs> maybe I didn't pay the, that bill. I don't know what the heck this is. But anyway, I'm back at you and I'm holding it by hand. So if I drop you, I'm right here. Well, you're okay. with us. And dude, you were talking about before you left and I was saying to the audience, it's interesting to me that to some people, the 1980s are going to look back on it, even in the early 90s, they're going to look back on it and go, eh, it's really not that long ago, right? I know some of the kids will think oh, that. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, right. it is. Oh, yes, There'll be some kids thinking that there were still dinosaurs, you know, eating grass. But here's what I'm getting at. The, the 1980s tour player wasn't that dramatically different than the 1950s tour player. I can remember you telling me stories about you guys caravanning, caravanning together and making sure you stayed on a $20 budget at a hotel and a, and a $10 a day food minimum budget. You're talking about tour yeah. players. Nowadays, it would blow people's minds to realize that not that long ago, that was necessary. 
You know, the, when I look back on it, uh, I look back on it with, with a lot of um, joy and a sense of accomplishment because it wasn't uh, uh, like it is today. And hey, no disrespect whatsoever. You know, think about how much better we had it than the generation two and three before us. So I always look at that. And I, I cherish those relationships, the guys that I got to know that were, were on their way out when I was on my win. Therefore, there was 30, sometimes 30 years difference in Sam Snead's record uh, career, much more than that. And, uh, and Arnold was getting up and, and not playing as often. And, of course, Nicholas and, and as you said, Johnny and Weisskopf and, and all those guys were still playing a lot. So I, I look at it as such a good time for me because I was able to learn from all these great players. And I, I always felt like I tried to, you know, Hale Irwin, those types. I tried to search them out and play some practice rounds with them and wouldn't ask too many questions what, 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 but would observe and, and learn because uh, I needed help. I, I was uh, I was at the bottom of the totem pole, so I cherish those relationships, and I still talk to some of them, uh, you know, once or twice a year and, and look forward to that every time I, I pick up the phone. When, when you were getting ready to come on with us, Curtis, I was talking about the fact that your era was literally a human bridge from, from players from the 30s and the 40s and the 50s when you talk about the likes of Sam Snead and then playing with absolute legends of, of the sort. You mentioned yes. you know, Raymond Floyd that you competed against with and, and actually mm-hmm. went for winning championships or a, a Tom Watson or obviously a Jack Trevino. Davis. Trevino. I mean, it's unbelievable yeah. Uh, how does that impact you, not only from the friendship standpoint and the, the fact that you could learn from it, but when you think back on your career, that your career from the people that you knew, from them, the Tiger bridges all these people? Well, it was it was just that era. Um, I You could compare, though, when you think about it in, in terms of equipment and, and, and raw, I'm not going to say ability at all. I'll, I'll get into that in a minute, but from equi- equipment, we were all in the same same boat. We played the exact same equipment, and, and compared to today's equipment, it was it was uh, inferior. But uh, but I can relate to the young guys now in, in this way: uh, struggling the game, it's tough trying to get the ball in the hole, uh, you know, different shots, things like that. The game itself, but as far as equipment and the ability to hit the ball the way they do, it's a, it's a different ball game completely. But uh, I was watching last night. I was watching Jack on the Golf Channel, okay? I've seen it two or three times. And the sheer power of this guy, back when he came out in the late 50s, early 60s, when I think he won with the opening, you know, with Arnold, against Arnold. And there is nobody that ever in today's time included that ever swung the club as hard as he did. Now, if you think I'm smoking something here just go google jack nicholas and see how hard he swung at every club in the bag it was phenomenal and we forget those things we forget things like how accurate lee trevino was and it's still the best ball striker i've ever seen and i never saw ben hogan but i saw just about everybody else and and just the ability to you know we were on the practice tee matt some years ago at the father son in in orlando and it was Trevino and it was Irwin and it was me and it was, oh, I forget, another two or three guys that had played throughout the last 40 years. 
and we were talking about the best golf shot we ever saw Jack hit. Now you talk about some some phenomenal memories and some phenomenal uh, uh, reminiscing going on about this one guy. So I just thought it was cool last night. I'm talking to you this morning and I watched that last night and he was he was he was phenomenal. Well, don't leave us hanging. What was the consensus on the best shot Jack Nicholas hit? Well, we all had our different. Group? We all had our, yeah, we all had our different uh, uh, opinions because we played with him at so many different times when he hit a particular shot. But, gosh, in my opinion, I had I had multiple, and the multiple were: Have we ever seen Jack on Sunday, late Sunday afternoon at Augusta National? Never. By- behind the left trees or in the right rough, always in the middle of the 15th fairway on the par five when he needed to be. And did we ever, ever, ever see him miss that green with that one, two or three iron? That's what I said. And to me, that's phenomenal with, you know, the pressure, the toughness of the shot, the wind, the masters. And he, he pulled through every time. And of course we remember always the, uh, I think it was the three hour or so that uh, when he hit it in 86 and won at 46 years old. You know, it's, it's interesting, Curtis, because when you think about Jack Nicklaus in particular, uh, the greatest professional major champion of all time to this day, right? You don't mm-hmm. hear many people talk about the quality of his ball striking. Obviously, it was good. They mostly talk about the quality of his mind and the way that he could manage the situation perhaps better than anybody else. I've always been curious if that's something that can be learned yeah. or if that's just a natural gift, the way that you're wired, that you can handle pressure the way that he, he does. Uh, do you think that, that Jack Nicklaus, it sounds bizarre to ask someone this question, but do you think that Jack Nicklaus gets all the credit that he deserves? Oh, I think so, yeah. Um, but I think we have to always keep him utmost in our memories, just like we have to do those who came before him because it's quickly to, how to forget and where we're talking about the current players. Well, let's not forget about the ones that came before us that were pretty doggone good with, hmm. with, you know, I remember watching some of these golf courses last night and the greens were so bad. And he, he said one year at Augusta, it was a tough, tough week because the fairways were so long. We had flyers on every other shot. Now who, who have you ever heard say something like that? But it was the truth. Um, I, Jack was, uh, I, it wasn't just his mind, but it is his DNA, uh, his 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 makeup, and the way he looked at things, and just uh, you don't you can't you can't teach yourself to to handle situations like that. I just think he was so damn good, uh, better than than everybody else uh, in his day, because he was so extraordinary long compared to every excuse me compared to everyone else, and you know he was a straight driver. Uh, for the day, for the, remember, steel shafts, wood, wood, spinny ball. So when he's hit 280 to 300, it was hard to hit that fairway. And then yep. uh, the, long, the long irons were incredible, and just the, the short game was, was, was a great putter. But anyway, it was, uh, he, he, talked like, he talked like tough situations were that he was born to do, and he was talked so nonchalantly about it that it was, uh, he looked at it differently than, than most other, than, than we did. Did did in your career, Curtis? Did it did it even factor into your your mental capacity that when you were competing against someone that played very well in high pressure situations, say when you had your playoff against Nick Faldo, for example, 
or were you so insular in terms of your thinking and your game and your execution in the shot that was before you that you blocked everything else out? Oh, I think you had to think a little bit about the guy you were playing against uh, the next day. Uh, in, in Nick and I, our situation in, in, a, in a playoff, that's a, that's a little different animal because we were going head-to-head over 18 holes. So, you know, I didn't give him much thought, but I did realize that, uh, you know, I said to myself, you know, he might give me something. Nick, Nick, Nick is consistent and great as he was, he might give me something. Which meaning he might get you know make a bogey where I was least expecting or something like that. Uh, he was not a player to shoot a low score on you. Uh, I didn't I didn't figure. Now I'm thinking to myself I've got to I've got to pull out the positives of myself and the negatives of him. So that's the way I looked at that. But uh, you know a guy if you went up against Jack Nicklaus, um, uh, it was a it was a tough task. Just mm-hmm. just like Tiger Woods, they were not going to give you anything, and you could beat them, Matt. You could beat them. But standing on the first tee, looking at both of those two men, as intimidating as they they are and were, then uh, you knew you had to play your absolute best round to beat them, and that in itself is is so intimidating that uh, it put more pressure on you. It, just to to put a cap on that Jack Nicholas story too about his power that you were watching uh, last night in the Golf Channel. I believe it was 1963, if memory serves me, the PGA Championship had that long drive competition, and they gave out a money clip to the winner. Jack Nicklaus uh, accounts that he still uses that money clip to this day, and he hit a drive, again, steel shafts and persimmon heads and a marshmallow and all the rest, some 263-ish yards, which, which speaks to the power that he had back then. It also, it also speaks to kind of another point, which is interesting to everything we're talking about, because we've gone from talking about Sam Snead to, to Jack Nicholas so far, that greatness seems to transcend the, the era in which uh, they, they were defined. And when you think about players, when you really think about the pinnacle of these players, Curtis Strange, regardless of the equipment they use, whether it's, as you noted, the superior equipment of today or the equipment back in the day, you would think that they still would have been able to figure it out and still would have been as successful. Absolutely. And, and, and conversely, Matt, the players of today with all the great equipment and the balls and, and knowledge and track mans, if you put the old stuff in their hands, they might need to modify a little bit, but they would, the top 10 would still be in the top 10 if you took all of those kids and put them in today's time because it is about talent. It is about uh, to be able to understand the golf swing, put the club on the back of the ball, no matter what the club was like, and have the ball go straight, they would maybe have to slow down the swing a little bit, but not not a whole lot because look what Jack did. But they would still be as good uh, today or yesterday as they are, are today. Amazing stuff. You, you mentioned the Masters a couple of times already in, in this interview, uh, Curtis. Mm-hmm. And when was the first time that you ever stepped on the property? What was that like? Oh, I drove my little yellow canary Chevy Nova through the gates there down Magnolia Lane and just, I don't know, you're so young. I was 20, 20 years old. You're so young and you're so just in, intimidated and you just said, you know, you just looked around and and then I went to the club. You know, I got there on Saturday afternoon late. Uh, Greensboro was always prior to the Masters back in the day. 
and, and I missed the cut there. I got in there by winning the north-south. So I went down there, and I never – I got in Saturday afternoon, and I never left the property until Sunday afternoon going back home to Wake Forest. I never left the property. I stayed in the crow's nest. I played golf from sun up to sundown. I breakfast, lunch, dinner in the clubhouse, uh, mingling, at, you know, just going around like a church mouse at night, looking at things, going through books, looking at the history of this place. Uh, I still have a, I told uh, uh, Billy Payne a couple of years back, I gave him $20 and I said, Billy, this is at a dinner now. I said, Billy, here's $20. He said, what's this for? I said, this is for the towel that I stole back in 1975 when I was staying at the crow's nest. <laughs> and you know, the son of a gun put it right in his pocket, my 20 bucks. <laughs> Don't blame him. Hey, I got to ask you another Anyway, question. it was, yeah. Yeah, I got to ask you this question. Uh, I want to ask you about the crow's nest. When you were staying up there, yeah. who else was up there with you, by the way? Was, it, was there, there had to be somebody else. You know, I don't remember. I, I stayed there two years in a row as an amateur, and I don't remember. Stadler stayed one year. Gary Koch stayed one year, I believe. <laughs> maybe one or two other people. I, I really don't remember, but it, was, it, was, it, it hasn't changed at all. And I thought the question was going to be, what else did you steal from the No, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's along those lines, Curtis. Now, be honest with me. When you were in the crow's nest, yeah. did you sneak down to the, to the champion's locker room? The champion's locker room did not exist back in that day. They, the champions had to change their shoes with us little folks in the regular locker room. So wow. they had to mingle with us. Yeah, it was, it, it was disgusting for them, I'm sure. <laughs> so that was all part of the upstairs, part of the museum, so to speak, and it was that's where we, that's where we hung out and that's where we kind of uh, traipsed around at night when everybody had gone home. So it was it was great. And then, uh, uh, it, but anyway, to go back. So anyway, we talked about Jack. So Perry's come out uh, for Thursday on Tuesday. Who am I playing with? Jack Nicholas. I said thanks a lot, you know, uh, Mr. Clifford Roberts. Now I can't sleep for the next two nights, you know. And it, but it was it was it was one of the thrills of my life and. So we get on the first tee. Talk about great shots of Jack Nicklaus. You know, on the tee, Jack Nicklaus. That's the, that's the uh, introduction. So he gets and hits his drive. It's about 300. And it's three feet left to center, and it drops three feet to the right to hit the sprinkler line in the middle of the fairway. And I'm going, am I supposed to hit one like that? You know? So I was, I was frightened. I was absolutely frightened. And I got it out there. I shot 75. It was a thrill of my life. I will always be indebted to Jack Nicklaus for the way he treated me uh, uh, the entire 18 holes. But it was a great, a great experience. How, what was the experience like? Did, did, what kind of wisdom? Did, did you ask him questions? Did he, did he impart advice? Oh, no. Or we or just talked. Like? And, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is he, he, he started the conversation a couple of two or three times with me. Because I was, like I said, I was scared to death. This is Jack Nicklaus. And... You know, what am I going to say? How's, how's Barbara and the kids? You know, I don't say anything like that. So he was very, very nice and just cordial and just a gentleman. And, you know, I, I, I played reasonably well, but I shot 75 because it was a hard day of golf. And, 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 but I, I will never forget it. And as, as scared as I was, I would have traded that experience for the world because uh, afterwards, you know, I did ask him, 
Actually, I never asked him about my golf game afterwards. Uh, the press did. My, my guy from home asked me about a game, and, you know, he said a nice response. If he believed it or not, it didn't make any difference. He, he said a very, you know, uh, uh, nice thing and, uh, and went from there. But I got to know Jack and, and spent a lot of time with him on the golf course. And he was my Ryder Cup captain in 83 and 87. Uh, so I've, I've, I've gotten to know the man, and uh, he's, 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 you know, he's become – He's become over, you know, since Arnold's death, and even maybe before that, he's become, you know, the voice of golf. And he's been, he's aged so well. He's he says and does all the right things, which he always has. He always has, and uh, he's just a good person. Yeah, I'm, I saw an interview with you online, uh, getting ready for this, and someone had asked you, you know, it was your dream foursome, and and at the time, I don't remember how many years ago this was from. You had said, Bobby Jones, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, and the thing that struck me about the, the inclusion of Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas, uh, Curtis, was that you actually had the incredibly rare, massive honor of playing with those two guys. So not only was it a dream for you, you actually played alongside of Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas at one event or another for one reason or another. I mean, that in it, of itself is mind-blowing. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a hard question because... Uh, you know, you have so many heroes growing up. You know, you know, above my bed were pictures of all these great players, and you know, I had all the books growing up as a kid. And and so you, you, you it's hard tough to pick. Sam Snead was my guy because being from Virginia, as well as he is, and so it's hard to leave him out. And it's hard to leave you know Ben Hogan or Francis we met or any of the greats in the games. And it could be somebody a lesser known player that you admired so much. You know, I, I still talk to Don January every Christmas. We talked earlier and, you know, that dear, dear friend. And and so, you know, things like that. But, you know, I guess that I, I thought Bobby Jones is, is Bobby Jones. Enough said. Uh, he is the game. Uh, but Arnold being Arnold and, and my dad was uh, close friends with Arnold. And, and then Jack being, you know, the guy on TV when I started really playing decent golf as a teenager. And he was overtaking Arnold's throne. And. So, you know, it's a tough question, but just people you admire so much. And, you know, four and a half hours of those three guys would not be enough. Um, but uh, at least it would be uh, four and a half hours that you would thoroughly enjoy. When when you were at the, the height of your prowess, uh, Curtis, maybe even on the ascent to the same, how would you define your motivation? Did you feel like you were running towards glory because you knew you were capable of it or did you feel in some way like you were running away from something else perhaps the prospect of failure absolutely the second failure was not an option but it was always a big part of the picture and i think that was a huge motivating factor um you know early on it was to make a living and then uh, and and then but you had to work so hard because the game could be taken from you so quickly either through some minor injury uh, that just was happenstance, it, swinging a golf club, uh, or 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 what it, whatever it could have been. But uh, you know, you work work hard because you've got to. Back in the day, you've got to finish in the top sixty every year to stay exempt, and then it became the one twenty five. But it was, you know, how quickly this this game can leave you, and there was always enough examples, Matt, around that kept that 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 fear of failure alive and well in your mind you know the most the most obvious and he's a dear friend i don't mean to 
bring him up, but Ian Baker Finch, how quickly it left him, and how let's not forget Lee Westwood went down the uh, in, in a bad, bad way, and remarkable how well he came out of it back in his what thirties or something. Um, you have stories like Steve Stricker that lost it for years, and there's another great comeback story. Then you see the guys like a Bobby Clampett who came up and never did. He just it just goes on and on. And so you didn't want to be one of those guys. And and the one thing that that I could do, the one thing that I could do to to offset that was to work. And work was never never a problem for me on the golf course and on the practice tee. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. And, um, you know, Tom Kite and I used to fight on who was going to stay the latest until uh, <laughs> after dark some nights. But it was, it was, um, it was work. And uh, it was uh, the grind of, of the tour. And uh, it was, uh, I look back on it, because I enjoyed it so much, I look back on it and said, maybe I didn't work hard enough. But, uh, uh that's um, just the way it is. I'm, I'm curious with that you brought up Tom Kite and, and competing to see who was going to be on the range last. Who won? Uh, you know, he always won because he didn't have a life <laughs> out of golf. Uh, golf is all. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I'll never forget it was Atlanta, I think. And we were on the range late a lot. Uh, this was before VJ. And, you know, when VJ came out, he, he, over, he beat me up bad as far as working. But, we're like, I think it was Atlanta, and it's getting dark, and we both played. I think we both kind of played early, been out there for hours. And so now I'm kind of looking over at him, and I'm tired and beat up. But, and I, I sensed that he was looking over at me. And so I said, this son of a bitch, I'm going to beat him tonight. I'm going to stay here. So it got dark, and he beat me. And I went by him, and I, I said, I've had enough. I'm going to get a Coca-Cola, and I'm going home. He says, well, I'm going to putt some. I said, God bless you. <laughs> I bet that's not what you said. I'm beat up. I'm beat up. But it's things like that. We had great fun. But Tom Kite and I, so there's another name. Tom Kite and I, we, 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 we competed many, many years together. But we were great friends. We were Rotter Cup team members and members within the team playing together. And, but we helped each other on the golf course as well. We always talked shop on the practice tee. Hey, hey, give me just give me two minutes, Tom. Give me a give me a look here. And he'd give me two minutes, not more, but give me two minutes, and I'd do the same to him. And um, it was a it was a great friendship and working with each not all the time, but if you really needed somebody, Tom was one of those guys I could say, Hey, give me two. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, I want to ask you about something else. And all the times you and I have spoke over the years, uh, I've never asked you about this uh, at Augusta National, the impact of Ray's Creek. Now, obviously, I- I'm aware of the impact that it had on you in, in '85 and, the, and that final round. You know, you, for the green at you're you're so sadistic. You know, we were having a nice conversation. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'll let you pick it up. I hope there, that then. fan in the background is making you dizzy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from being sadistic, I am curious about Ray's Creek. And, and, and again, I actually think when I think about, uh, uh, since we, we were talking about it in 85, I think people forget that you were in contention to win that Masters after opening with an 80. You talk about comebacks. You had one within the same tournament. 
and still had a chance to grab the brass ring there until until the final final chapters. I mean, that that in and of itself is amazing. Well, there's two things that were wrong there in that conversation, big guy. One right, is that we weren't talking about the Masters in '85. You brought it up. Fair enough. And the second thing is, uh, I did shoot '80, and I was not in contention. I had a four-shot lead with nine holes to go. So I, I, I I'm kidding you, but it was mine to it was mine to win and not to lose, and I lost. Uh, Ray's Creek played a big part in that, um, but. Isn't that why we like to watch the Masters? There's good things that happen back there on the backside. There's the happen. It's dramatic. It's loud. It's exciting. It's beautiful, and it's also, you know, a mean, treacherous piece of property that you have to traverse under pressure back in 1985 that I had never experienced in my life before, ever. And I didn't do well, but I learned a great deal about myself and my game and how to handle that pressure during that, that uh, nine-hole stretch. I mean, one, one, one step is a stepping stone to another, isn't it? I mean, from, from no, there, yeah, you, yeah. you end up winning two, two consecutive U.S. Opens. Yeah, I think that, you know, people say, what do you, you never learn much at all from winning uh, because you're playing well, you don't think much about it, and it, it's easy then. But when you lose, and, and you lose you know, dramatically, or lose any time when you feel like you should have won, or when you don't play well is when you learn. And you learn by, okay, what did I do wrong in that situation? Not about how to play in golf courses. That's another thing. But just how your body reacts to, in that day, in 85, pressure that I hadn't felt before. And it was, uh, so therefore, what did I learn? Well, I learned that, uh, you know, I have to breathe better. Uh, I have to slow down. Uh, and putting, you know, take just take another deep breath. Just, you know, you learn from the experience. Um, uh, the speed of your putts when you get that nervous is always an, a, a difficult a difficult thing to judge, uh, especially on those type of greens. Uh, and when to go for shots and when not to go. And uh, I'm not a big strategy guy, but strategy on um, – if you have a lead, when you go on 13 or 15? If you don't have the lead, when do you go on 13? And so, so much of it is dictated on where you hit your tee shot. Mm-hmm. Claude Harmon said a great line that I don't believe in, but I always appreciated his, his, his openness to me, the great pro from Wingfoot. Um, he said, you know, Curtis lost the Masters because he hit such a good tee shot at 13. Now, I don't believe that because I was trying to hit a good tee shot at 13 so I could go into but as it turns out, if I don't hit a good tee shot, I have to lay up and I make par and I might, might win. So it's just another way people can look at it, which on social media now, I guess there's plenty of pedestals that people can, can, can scream from. But uh, it's, a, it's a, a, an interesting take. But I played pretty well on the backside. I lost. I hit a couple balls in the water, but I lost. And, and, and hey, and you know what? Inside to your girl. You, you realize the next day uh, you have to put your pants back on, your boots back on, and go back to the practice tape. It's as simple as that. Uh, only a couple more questions for you, Curtis, and we'll let you go because you've given us such a massive amount of time, and we thank you for it as ever. Uh, if you could go back, Curtis Strange, today in 2021 and talk to yourself, say, after the, the Walker Cup at, at St. Andrews or 
or be, just before you started your professional career in earnest, what advice would you give today to the younger version of yourself? Oh, gosh. I think, you know, the first thing that comes to me, be a little more patient than I was with myself. Um, I expected, I felt, I felt like I had to be, have my, my best game to really play well. And I felt like I had to have my best game to win. And that wasn't necessarily the case. Not blowing myself up talent wise is that you can win by doing the right things at the right time. And I always felt like I got impatient when I didn't do hit the perfect shot or make the putt on the backside. And that's the one thing I did learn doing TV. I didn't learn how to play the game. I didn't learn how to do this or that. Like some people say, you learn how to play the game by hitting practice shots. But I did learn this is that I see players, I saw players win every week that, that miss hit shots and miss putts. And I learned that you didn't have to do that all day long on Sunday. That's number one. Be a little more patient. And I, I you know, I, I don't know. I, I gave it my all, Matt. I, I worked hard. I, I stayed in the game. Um, uh, I grinded on every shot, most every shot, I should say. And uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy. I, I have very, very, very few regrets in, 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 as far as the game of golf. That's awesome. Uh, we, we always make a point to ask uh, when, when touring professionals are on with us about companies that they have aligned themselves with, the people that help you do what you do. And I mention it because I, do, I see what looks like a MasterCard logo on your, your collar mm-hmm. on the left side. Uh, do you have companies that you still are associated with, Curtis, people that help you do your thing? Yeah, I do. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's more of a relationship now and a partnership. I, uh, over the years, I mean, MasterCard has been uh, a, a great partner with me and, and enjoyed working with their people uh, and, and their clients and customers and certainly being a part of the, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, which is a great week every, every year, um, as, as you and I both know. Um, you know, Rolex, I've been with Rolex for, I don't know, 30 or 35 years. And, you know, you, it becomes bigger and, and personal uh, when, when something lasts that long and you, you know the people and you're able to call them on the phone and, and whatever it might be. So there's, there's a great satisfaction in that, that uh, you can help them. And uh, uh, it just, you know, it keeps me in the game, too. I, you know, as, as, I, as I sit here at 66 years old, um, I enjoy being in the game, and it keeps me relevant. TV me relevant to some degree, you know. Disappointing with the Fox and NBC stuff, but uh, you know, with ESPN and the Masters and the PGA, it keeps me in the game. Uh, and I think we all want to stay in the game forever, but it just doesn't work out like that sometimes. Well, what? The way that's worked out for Curtis Strange in the balance is absolutely remarkable. Uh, And again, nothing speaks more to your life's accomplishments in the game of golf than the fact that you are forever enshrined in the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, Curtis, thank you, as ever, as I mentioned, for your time. You're so generous. The stories are so classic. I'm sorry about 1985 Masters bringing it up and you're mad at me. I owe you $20. I'm sure you're going to stuff that in your pocket. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I want to thank you for the time that you spent with us, like you always are so generous with. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> you know, let, let me say one other thing. You know, let me, let me say one other thing, Matt. It's, it's, thank you, Matt. Thank you, my friend. It's Curtis Strange joining us live uh, on this Thursday, uh, which has been absolutely amazing. Uh, it, that's what I was telling you about. When you, when you have champions like this and you get a chance to hear them, I was going to say unfiltered, but, but his, it's not his nature anyways. He is who he is, and he's so honest, and he's such a good dude. Uh, I, but I, there was one emotion that I always have that's always the same, and that's this, that my, I suspect you already were a fan of Curtis Strange, and, and all the work that he's doing, and he, and he went through some of it, recounting some of it currently with ESPN, et cetera. But if you weren't already a fan of that man, my suspicion is you are now. And if you get an opportunity, he was talking about watching Jack Nicholas back in the day, but if you get an opportunity, uh, and you can find it online, YouTube or what have you, check out what he did, and check out his move, and check out his medal in moxie at the point in time uh, when and where he needed it. It's really incredibly impressive. And ultimately, what just took place now is exactly why we do what we do. I hope whatever you do, it is good for you and safe for you and your family. And we look forward to being back again with you. We're going to take tomorrow off here from the Fairways of Life show, but we'll be back with you again on Monday if we're spared to go over everything that took place over the weekend in the European Tour event in Kenya, as well as the Honda Classic on the PGA Tour. But until then, be well and goodbye for now. If I told you legends like Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross have designed and inspired more than 10 breathtaking courses and they're all in one place, would you believe me? Where is this special place? How far do I have to travel for this golfing nirvana? The answer could both surprise and delight you. It's right around the corner in the heartland of the country. It's Boyne Golf in Northern Michigan. It's a destination so special, so unique, that you'll think you're playing golf on a work of art along the cliffs of the Monterey Peninsula or the raw sweeping landscapes of Scotland. From elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled golf vacation experience. Log on to BoyneGolf.com and see why they're at the heart of America's summer golf capital. Come to where history meets luxury at the family-friendly French Lick Springs Hotel, where there's something for everyone, from kids' fest to shopping, bowling, golf, and other outdoor activities. Or at the West Baden Springs Hotel, you can wrap yourself in old-world elegance, visit our luxurious spa, indulge in an afternoon tea, a historic tour, and multiple sophisticated dining options. Then... Finish your day with a cozy carriage ride before turning in for sweet dreams. Only this isn't a dream. Visit FrenchLick.com to plan your vacation today. What's your bucket list destination? Where have you always wanted to go? What's the number one thing that holds people back from doing that? It's fear of logistics. I don't know where to stay. I don't know how to get tea times. I don't know where to go. I don't know who should take me there. Well, I'll tell you who knows the answer to all those questions. TheGolfTravelGroup.com. That's why the Fairways of Life show has aligned ourselves with these experts. And is there some place you want to go, like the Open or a President's Cup or a Ryder Cup? They can take care of that as well. What is your golf bucket list? Where do you want to go? Do it with TheGolfTravelGroup.com. It's green. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. 
It is the all-new Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try the new Tour B. The Tour Ball. Reinvented. Let's face it, there's no better feeling than getting new golf gear, and where you get your golf gear matters. PJ Tour Superstore is America's number one golf retailer. Whatever you're looking for, they have it. And you can get custom fit. You can shop online or safely in their stores. At the PJ Tour Superstore, you'll always find golf's biggest brands and all the latest equipment right at your fingertips. If you need it or want it, they've got it. Log on to PGATourSuperstore.com to upgrade your game today.